Ephesians chapter 5. Hmm? Ephesians chapter 5. Hey, Tony, could you catch that door for me? Appreciate it. Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to start off a little bit different this morning, but that's okay. Um, if you go ahead and stand with me, and here's what we're going to do to help us to prepare to receive the word. We're going to engage ourselves in the Holy Spirit. We're going to build ourselves up. We're going to build up our faith so that we can grab a hold of the word and what the Lord's wanting to say to us today. So what I'm going to ask you to do is those of you who have your prayer language, the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm going to ask you to pray in tongues. And we're going to do this for maybe about 30 seconds. And those of you who do not yet, I'm going to ask you just to just to talk to the Lord and, and ask him to prepare your heart to receive what he wants for you to receive today. OK, is that pretty clear? All right. So I'm asking you to pray in your, your prayer language, pray in tongues, not whisper. You don't have to shout it, but vocally. OK. Father, thank you. We come to you today and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love that you're revealing to us more and more and more and more and more. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here with us. And we just ask you to teach us what you want to teach us this morning. We choose by an act of our will to have ears to hear. We position our hearts, Father, so that we can hear what the word of the Lord is today. And we have an attitude of obedience to respond, to be doers of the word. Father, thank you for helping me share your word effectively. And Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. So teach this morning, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Some of you may think that was a little strange or out of order or whatever. Well, we're going to hopefully by the end of today, you won't think that anymore. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Start with that. Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 15. It says, See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Would you guys agree that the days are evil? Now, they were saying this some time ago, a couple of thousand years ago, and it's even more so now. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, I think the number one question amongst Christians is, how can I know what God's will is for my life? I want to know what God's will for my life is. How can I know what it is? And he says, do not be foolish, but know. So I lost my place. Where are we? Verse 17. <laughs> Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's, he's telling us, understand. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks sometimes for some things. Oh, excuse me. Giving thanks always for all things to God, the father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, I've read this passage, as I'm sure many of you have a number of times in. For the first time I saw some, it's, it's like there's, it seems like when, we, when we, we give ourselves to reading God's word and we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and show us things, he'll show us these nuggets of truth that we may overlook. But when we have a heart to receive what he wants, he can show us something like, wow, and it can change your life if you embrace it 
and, and then begin to do it. But right here he talks about how we need to walk as wise, not as fools. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil. And we would all agree that the days are evil, that things are getting pretty crazy. And if you watch much of the news, which I don't recommend, so if you're doing it, I encourage you to stop. But if you have friends that happen to watch a lot of the news, because you don't do that anymore because you just stop, right? If you watch a lot of the news, you can come away with a lot of fear. Because what they thrive on is negativity, fear, and all the bad stuff. And so if you have a, if that's your, um, you indulge in that on a daily basis, then you're just going to, all this doubt, unbelief, fear, 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 the world's coming to an end, all is, you know, falling apart and everything. And then that's going to be your mindset. And then you're going to be conformed to that and conformed by that. It says the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If, if it was not possible to know what God's will is, then he wouldn't tell us to understand his will. Amen? It's, it's only a mystery, I believe, because we don't give ourselves, we don't position ourselves in a way to where we can hear what God's will is. But when we position ourselves in the Lord, the Bible teaches us how to do that, then we can understand what God's will is. Now, he may not un- unveil to us what his will for us is next year or the next five years. But he definitely wants you to know what he wants you to do today. Because he says to know the will of the Lord so you can walk in it. So you're not walking as unwise, but walking as wise. Are you with me so far? It says, and do not get drunk, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I believe, because you see the verses before, it's saying, okay, things are getting bad, things are bad. Know the will of the Lord and all this kind of stuff. And then he says, now here's the key to walking as wise. Here's the key to understanding the will of the Lord. And he gives it to us. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then after that, he says, now here's, here's what should result of that, should be the result of that, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always. When you watch the news and watch all the negativity and the, and the stock markets going up and down and, and the job shutting down and people being laid off, you have a whole lot to grumble and complain about. Wouldn't you say? I mean, if you focus on that and see what's going on, and then it's like, man, and just grumble, 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 complain, complain, complain. But what does the Lord tell us to do in his word? It says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how in the world is that possible? If everything is going negative, everything is going to pot, all this stuff is going around. And we're not talking about just stuff that's in the news affecting people out there, but also things that are here affecting you. I mean, real life situations, being laid off or getting, getting a job or a pay cut or all these bad things that happen. I mean, our brother losing his sister. I mean, real life, horrible situations. But God gives us real life answers. Real life weapons or tools, whatever we need to equip us to be able to do what he says to do. And so we can actually walk around with a thankful heart, giving thanks always for all things to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus. And then he talks about submitting to one another in the fear of God. So how do we do that? And he says to be filled with the spirit. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about, (coughs) excuse me. No, you hear this thing about tongues, and I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay, I'm tying those, those two things together. Now, my intent is not to answer all your questions. But my intent is to, is to deal with some things. But my prayer is that by the end of the day, that you'll have a greater desire. Those of you who have your prayer language already will engage in it more. And those of you who don't will have a desire to have it. And if you have any questions or doubts or misunderstandings, hopefully we'll be able to deal with some of those things. And hopefully I believe the Lord, the Holy Spirit will answer more of your questions than I even intend to. Because he's good at teaching and and breaking things down to us, even if I have no intention to do that. But my question is, why tongues? You know, tongues is a big deal, unfortunately, in the negative way. It's a lot of controversy over it. It's a lot of denominationalism over it. And I believe 
that it's one of those things, it's one of those nuggets, it's a gift that God has made available to his children for a specific reason or specific reasons. And I believe that the enemy is so intimidated by this because he has a better understanding of how powerful this gift is. And so then what is he going to do? He's going to do what he can to distort, help people to misunderstand so people will be afraid of it. People will misunderstand it so that they're backing away from it and saying either I don't want to have anything to do with it or it gets minimized to ineffectiveness. And the enemy counterfeits things, and he's counterfeited this. You know, people say, well, I've heard Satan worshipers praying in tongues, things like that. You know, the only thing that's worth counterfeiting is anything that's valuable. And so my goal today is to encourage you to pray more in tongues. I want to deal with two misconceptions that I believe and then to stir up, for a, stir up a hunger in you to desire this gift. And the two questions, two misconceptions I want to deal with are, one, tongues is not for today. Anybody ever heard that before? That tongues, the gifts of the Spirit are not, no longer for the day, for today? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Now, some of us, unfortunately, might have come out of a denomination or denominations that actually teach that. And I want you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Now, of course, we, we recognize this chapter, chapter 13, as the love chapter. It talks about the power of love and the importance of love and that the greatest thing is love. That without love, you're wasting your time, you're a bunch, making a bunch of noise and all that. Verses 1 through 7. And then in verse 8 it says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, and thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now I see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So right here it talks about, it mentions love, I mean, excuse me, it mentions prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. It says it will vanish away when the perfect comes. When that which is perfect comes, verse 10, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So when the perfect comes, tongues will not be needed any longer. Prophecy will not be needed any longer. And knowledge, as we understand, will not be needed any longer, according to these verses. Would you agree with that so far? So when the perfect comes, these, threes will, these three things will not be needed any longer. Are you with me? I mean, that's what it says, right? Now, the problem is on what's defined as the perfect. Now, when people teach that tongues and these gifts will pass away when the perfect come, their definition of perfect, uh, that what it's talking about, is God's word. When we have the written scriptures, when we have the Bible, now that we have this, we don't need those things. We don't need tongues. We don't need prophecy anymore because we have this. That's what they're saying. Now, if you've never heard that teaching, see, if you're brought up with that teaching, then you can be slanted in that direction. But if you've never heard anything... Because I never heard anything. I never heard any teaching. I just came across these verses as I'm reading God's word years ago. And my automatic interpretation of it was when the perfect comes is when Jesus comes back. Because it says, verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Face to face with who? Jesus. I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. I shall know. In other words, I will know then. Do I know everything now that I have the word? No. 
And see, one thing, too, if, if, you know, people say, well, we have the word of God, so we don't need prophecy in tongues. But a problem is, is we need to be consistent. If we're going to interpret it that way, you need to be consistent. It said prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. Do we need knowledge now? Do we? So if you're going to follow that teaching, then you're going to have to say, we don't need knowledge anymore because we have this. And somewhere in the Bible, I forgot to look at the scripture, but doesn't it say to add to your knowledge virtue or add to your knowledge something? So it's saying add to knowledge, add something else. In other words, it also says that knowledge can puff up, so you've got to be careful. But it doesn't say do away with knowledge. Now, as we understand knowledge, when Jesus comes back and we're with him, we're not going to, we're, our whole understanding is going to be totally different. We're not going to need prophecy. I'm not going to need my wife to prophesy. When I'm sitting there looking at Jesus, I'm with him. I'm not going to need her to tell me a prophetic word about the love of God or anything. I'm not going to need that anymore. I'm not going to need a tongue or, or anybody speaking in tongues and an interpretation. I'm not going to need any of that anymore because we're with him. Amen? And so I believe what the word is saying is that when we're with him... Those things aren't going to be needed anymore. And another observation that I have is this verse, they, you know, they use that verse right in the middle, and it's kind of a sketchy. It's like you build the whole doctrine on one verse. And the doctrine of the gifts are gone. You know, we're in a different dispensation. We don't need the gifts anymore because we have this. But this, once I have this, you know what this teaches me to do? It teaches me how to operate in the gifts effectively, the same gifts that people say are no longer in existence anymore. Now, why is God going to give me his word and teach me how to operate in his gifts if the gifts are no longer today? That doesn't make sense, does it? Are you with me? Have I lost you yet or are you still with me? Okay, good. I get too excited sometimes and I go too fast. But it, it frustrates and discourages me. Now, I'm not trying to build a doctrine and defend that you need tongues. And I'm not trying to defend tongues in a sense of an argument. But my beef that I have is I believe this is a legitimate gift from God for his children, for us to be built up, to be encouraged, to be strengthened so we can do what God has called us to do. And one thing he tells us to do is to know the will of the Lord. Remember in that verse in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, do not be unwise, but know the will of the Lord. And then he says, be filled with the Spirit. So a key to knowing the will of the Lord is being filled with the Spirit. And I believe with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move along. So the first misconception is that tongues is no longer for the day. And they, and, and they don't just say so. And also, so if it's no longer for today, miracles and tongues and all that, then that which is happening is of the devil. And I seem to remember that a man named Jesus was accused by some people of being of the devil. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think I read that somewhere. Does that sound familiar? It was a religious spirit attacking Jesus. And we know the enemy was behind that. The enemy was behind that. Of course, you know, ultimately led to his death, which God was behind that. And that led to our salvation. So God was in control. He had them all duped anyway. But that spirit that was attacking Jesus was that a religious spirit. And the same religious spirit is trying to dupe God's people into believing that the gifts are no longer for today. The same tools, the same weapons that God has given to equip us to be strong and mighty in spirit. And so if I were to take a poll, well, we're all from various backgrounds, so I don't know where everybody stands. But the, those of you that I do know, I know you believe in speaking in tongues and that kind of thing. So if I'd ask you to raise your hand and say, how many of you believe in speaking in tongues? You know, baptism, Holy Spirit, evidence, speaking in tongues, you'd raise your hand. And so we agree. I'm not asking you to. <laughs> I'm just saying you would. But here's the promise. Not that we don't agree with it. I believe we've been influenced by the enemy, by religious spirits or whatever, where we backed off. We back off. We get real timid about this. We become embarrassed. Do you speak in tongues? No, yeah. Excuse me, I can't hear you. Speak up. Do you speak in tongues? Yeah. What? Yes. What? Yes. But don't tell anybody. How many? I have friends. I know ministers who are in different denom- certain denominations. 
that have either been kicked out because they were in that denomination. All of a sudden they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidence speaking in tongues, and it was found out by the whoever's and they kicked them out. Or they're afraid to go in that direction, even though they see it in God's word, but they're afraid because they know if they embrace that, they're going to be kicked out. That is a sad state to be in. Now, we don't have that. If I tell you I speak in tongues, the elders aren't going to fire me for that. So I don't have that fear. But what we can back down from is the, 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 all the negative and bad press that has come with this thing right here. And so we back off of it and we become a little timid when it comes to it. And the scriptures don't seem to be timid about it. You know, in, in, in the book of Acts, when you see, you know, hands were laid on people, they received the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues. They begin to prophesy. You see many times they begin to prophesy, begin to speak in tongues, begin to prophesy, begin to speak in tongues. You see all these times it didn't happen once. So we can say, well, that was just one time. That was just one time that manifestation happened is most of the time. I'm not going to say all. I believe it did happen all, but it doesn't make it clear. It doesn't make it clear that it happened every single time. But I'd be willing to bet, but that's just me. I'll ask Jesus when we get to heaven. But the point is, if that is a gift that you've already received, I want to encourage you to embrace it even more aggressively. And hopefully you will. And if this is a gift that you've been (coughs) desiring, want to know more about, But for some reason, you've been told or led to believe that it's no longer for today. I just want to encourage you. That's not what the scriptures teach. Now, I don't want you to exchange someone else's opinion for my opinion. I want you to study this out yourself. okay? because if I'm saying something that does not line up with scripture, then I want you to let me know that because I need to shut that up. Okay. all right. The second misconception Someone forgot to turn their cell phone off. That's okay. We're not going to stare at anybody, okay? We're not going to bring attention to anybody. That don't do it. Quit looking over there, guys. Okay, second misconception. First one is tongues is gone, or all the gifts are gone, actually. Second misconception is tongues is not a forever. Tongues is not for everybody. Ooh. So I believe that the gift of tongues is still available. But it's not for everybody. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, if you look in, if you read that chapter, we're not going to go through the whole thing. It's talking about the body of Christ, how we are all individual members, but we're members of one body. And he talks about the gifts and he talks about the specific functions of each member, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a diversity of gifts and all that, but one body. Okay, now going down to verse um, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now, verse 29, it says. Okay, hold on, backing up. Verse 27, 28, we see that God has appointed these in the church. And he he talks about the different giftings and ministries that he's appointed. Now, the list isn't complete, but he says, you know, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations and varieties of tongues. So he's talking about gifts to the body of Christ, gifts, ministry gifts in the body of Christ. Can you see that so far? Ministry gifts. In other words, these are public ministry gifts in the body of Christ for the body of Christ. I just lost my place. Where was I? Okay. Now, verse 29 it says, now, are all apostles? What's the answer to that? Are all apostles? Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. But what about when Jesus said, these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 30. 
Do all have gifts of healings? Oh, everybody's getting quiet on me now. Okay, hold on now. Let's, let's stay in context, okay? See, here's where it gets all mixed up. Okay, back in verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Okay, we're starting to get confused. No. No. Okay, keep going. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. See, in other words, he's asking these questions and the answers. What do you call that word? The answer is obvious. What's that called? Rhetorical. Is that what it is? Okay, thank you. This is the rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all No, no, no. Do all speak in tongues? No. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Do all have the gifts? Let's see. Do all have gifts of healings? I'm confused. The answer is no, according to this context. Remember, it's talking about ministry, public ministry gifts to the body. Public ministry gifts to the body. There's a difference between a public ministry gift and when it says these signs shall follow those that believe. See, every believer who's born again has the ability by the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and they recover. It says these signs shall follow those that believe. Right? Which one? The one I just said? It's Mark chapter 16 at the end. Somewhere. At the very end. Mark chapter 16, verse 18-ish. Around there. Okay? Okay, you with me so far? So, there's a difference between, remember, there's one body of Christ, many members in it. And then he goes and he starts, talk, starts talking about the different ministry gifts. Public ministry gifts. Apostles. The prophets and all these things. And then he even gets down to tongues and um, gifts of healings. And he says, do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do, are all workers of miracles? Do all interpret? And the answer is no. Rhetorical question. No to all those. And right there is where people say, see, tongues is not for everybody. That's the scripture right there. Everybody say, so you might want to mark that right there. So we're going to stop. Close our Bibles and say, tongues in for everybody. I'm going to stop right there. No. no. <laughs> but that right there is where they get that. But see, you have to take the whole counsel of God. You can't just take one scripture and build a doctrine on it. See, remember the other scripture where it says, when the perfect comes, the partial shall be done away. And so they say, ah, oh, the, par- the perfect has to be the word of God. Now, we know that the word of God is without error. This is the word of God. This is inerrant or without error, if I'm using the right word. But this isn't what the reverse is referring to when the perfect comes. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to, well, I'm not going to ask if you agree with me or not, because you may not. So that's okay. But that's what I believe it says right there. Now, so, but people build a whole doctrine on one scripture. And then you come to this one. And you can build a whole doctrine again on one scripture and you'll be in error. Because you say, wait a minute, right here it says, do all have the gifts of healings? But then it says, but they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. So right here it says no, and then right here it says yes, I'm confused. You have to look at the context, you have to look and see what he's talking about. Again, right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in these passages, he's talking about public ministry gifts to the body. Okay, so public ministry gift, apostle, public ministry gift, prophet, public ministry gift, teacher, public ministry gift, workers of miracles. I may God may perform miracles through my hands as I lay hands on the sick, but I may not have the ministry public gift of working miracles. Did you catch that? God can do miracles through my hands. But I may not have that gift, that, that title or that, that ministry gift to the body of Christ. And we can think of people who do that, you know, where miracles just follow them all over the place. And we think of Reinhard Bunke. You know, he's an evangelist, actually. Or it says, like, gifts of healings. There's a gift of healings. But if I don't have that gift of healing, but I can still operate and see people heal through my hands. Are you still with me? Okay, then also 
The last one, do all speak with tongues? Remember, we're talking about public ministry gifts. Tongues, do all interpret. So I'm about tongues and interpretation. Public ministry gift. Now let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 2, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 3, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Verse, um, so what Paul is talking about here, <laughs> he's still talking about in the church. He's talking about church order. And he's talking about the, the gifts and how they should operate in the, in the context of the local church. Okay, you with me on that? First of all, in, verse, in chapter 12, he talked about ministry gifts. And now he's talking about functions and, and order in the church. And what I believe and what I'm wanting to get at is I believe that there's one tongue... Gift of t- there's one tongue, two uses. One tongue, two uses. One right here in verse. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Who speaks? Uh, verse four. No, excuse me. Verse two. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But if we look at uh, Acts chapter 2, it says when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, they all begin to speak in other tongues. And all of a sudden, they begin to speak in various tongues where everybody or people from all over the world begin to understand them. You remember that? You know, guys from Crete, guys from all over the world begin to understand these people. They were speaking in tongues that men understood. And right here it says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Wrong verse again. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Look over at verse uh, 14. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I'm going to make a point. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion? And I will pray with the spirit and I will pray also with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Verse 18, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, what he's talking about, and here's where people, I think there's a little confusion, is Paul's not saying that don't pray in tongues, you need to all prophesy. He's talking about context. In the context of the church, it's better that you prophesy because that way everybody's going to be edified. Everybody in church is edified. When you just speak in the tongue and nobody understands, you're just edifying yourself. Does he say don't edify yourself? No, he's talking about context. In the church... It's more important that you prophesy so everybody understands, everybody's edified, versus you speaking in tongues where no one will understand, unless there's interpretation. And look in verse 18. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather. Paul says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the church, two different things. What I believe the two different tongues are, it's one tongue, two different uses. One is the public manifestation of a gift of speaking in the language that people understand through interpretation. Or if I, in other words, I'm praying in tongues and all of a sudden I speak and I'm speaking in some language that I have no idea. And let's say it's, it's, um, it's an old Hebrew language or something like that. And then through interpretation, someone begins to interpret. Now, this has happened before. Some of you may have heard of this before. Then someone gets up and interprets, and the person who's speaking doesn't know the language, and the person who gives the interpretation doesn't know the language. But the Holy Spirit gives that person the words, and then the Holy Spirit gives the other person the interpretation of the words. And then there's been instances where there would happen to be an unbeliever or somebody who happens to speak that language. So they hear the language go out, they hear it, and they're like, wow, this guy speaks old Hebrew. I didn't know he spoke that language. And then someone gives up and gives an interpretation, and it's perfect according to, according to the language. Has anybody ever heard of that happening before? Has anybody ever experienced that happening before? Now, I, I remember a story, some of you may remember it too, where Bill, Bill Woods, one of ours, one of our missionaries, 
He shared uh, many years ago how he was in his service. Now, he's down in Chiapas, Mexico, and they speak Spanish, but they also speak, the Indians down there speak another language. I don't know what language it is. But anyway, Bill knows Spanish, but he doesn't know the Indian dialects. And some of you may remember this, too. And he said he was leading worship. (laughs) As he was leading worship, he began to sing. You know, they were singing everything. Then he began to sing in tongues. Just began to sing in his prayer language, sing in tongues as he's playing the guitar. After the church service, some of the people in his church who spoke this Indian dialect came up to Bill and said, I didn't know that you knew this such and such language. And Bill said, I don't know that language. And he said, well, you were speaking in our, you were singing in our tongue. And he said, well, what was I saying? And he said, they said something to the effect of you were singing about the glories of God, the awesomeness of God or something like that. And then there was another time when um, John Mackley, John here today. Remember, uh, Tom, I don't, I don't think I was in there with him, but I believe it was Dale, John and uh, Daniel Caroma, a brother from Romania, American from Romania. Anyway, they were praying for him. See, I remember what was going on, but I can't remember if I was actually in there. But what happened was they were praying for Daniel for specific things concerning leadership and all because he was a pastor of a church, but he was wanting to transition back to the United States. And so they were praying that God would raise up leadership for the church and all that kind of thing. So anyway, they were laying hands on him, praying for him. And Daniel speaks English and Romanian. He grew up in Romania. Or he's Romanian and English or American, whatever. Anyway, so they're praying. And then uh, he told John that you were, you, when you were praying for me, John was praying in tongues over him, said you were speaking in Romanian. He said, what was I saying? And John was praying the things that Daniel asked prayer for about leadership and God doing this and all that kind of stuff uh, in, in Romanian. And I've heard many testimonies of people speaking, um, speaking their tongue or speaking in the tongue and then it being a foreign language that somebody that that person doesn't know, but it gets interpreted or someone who speaks that language knows. Getting back to my point, the point that Paul is dealing with in in 1 Corinthians 14 and what I believe the Bible is teaching is that there is one gift of tongues, but two uses. The public ministry gift of tongues, which is someone giving a tongue and someone interpreting. And so when he talks about that there shouldn't be tongues in the church, everybody's speaking in tongues, he's talking about there needs to be interpretation for it to be in order. So there's the public gift, but then there's the private gift of your prayer language. Of where you're speaking to God, nobody understands you're speaking mysteries to God. And I believe that's where the confusion comes from when everybody says, well, not everybody's speaking in tongues. Because it says, does everyone speak in tongues? Everybody interpret. Does everyone speak in the type of tongue that can be interpreted by somebody and it's a foreign language? No. But should everybody speak in tongues? Their prayer language. And I believe Paul says, I believe Paul teaches, yes. He says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all, but in the church. Now, why did Paul pray in tongues more than us all or them all? Because he knew it was important. Obviously, Paul knew more than they understood. Remember, Paul was the man who was caught up into the third heaven. And he had such revelation that God had to humble him, keep him humble. Otherwise, he exalt himself or all kinds of problems. So Paul had a greater understanding. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament, had a great understanding. And so when he says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. And then at one point he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. But even more that you prophesy. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Now, why? and remember, the Holy Spirit is writing this. Would you agree with that? It's not just Paul's opinion. Are you with me on that? If not everybody speaks in tongues, then why would God say, I wish you all spoke in tongues? I believe Paul's trying to encourage them. I pray in tongues. I speak in tongues more than you all. He's trying to stir them up and encourage them with tongues, but in its proper use and context. And then we're looking at like, uh, you don't have to turn there, but write this down. Jude chapter, excuse me, Jude verse 20. My beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy face, praying in the Holy Spirit. You look at Ephesians chapter 6, I believe it's verse 18. Let's be real quick. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
So he's encouraging them to praying always with all prayer. How can we pray always? How can we pray always? How can you continuously pray? If you're praying in your known tongue, you have a limit to your prayers. Have you ever tried to pray for a half an hour or an hour just in English, if that's your language, or in uh, whatever native tongue you have? Have you ever tried to pray for an hour? Is it easy? Probably after five minutes you run out of words, don't you? So, but he right here, there he encourages us praying to continuously pray. How do you do that? How do you do that? I believe it's having a prayer language. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought. For the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Then in verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I believe we can pray the perfect will of God for our lives or for a situation when we're praying in the spirit. When we're praying in a heavenly language. We cannot do that in our understanding. There's all kinds of encouragement. Build yourselves. It says he who prays in a, in a tongue edifies himself. Now, let me ask you this question. If there is something that God gives that's going to edify you as an individual. Okay, he gives a tongue and he says, okay, uh, Han, I want you to use this. I'm giving this to you to build yourself up, strengthen yourself. But Holly, it's not for you. Okay? Jim, it's for you. But Lisa, you can't have it. But does that make sense? Does that make sense? I mean, as far does God want us all to be able to build ourselves up? So then why would that gift, which does that, and he also says, my beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Why would he say these things to encourage us with these things if we can't do these things? Do not be unwise, but know what the will of the Lord is. Know what the will of the Lord is. And then it talks about praying, giving thanks always. He talks about being filled with the Spirit. Then he talks about the, the praying and singing melody, having a melody in your heart and all these kinds of things. I believe it's all connected to speaking in tongues. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 14 again. Verse 14, chapter 14, verse 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding or my mind is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So he's talking about, when I pray in tongues, my mind's not understanding, my mind's not benefiting from it. He says, so, so what do I do then? I'm going to pray in the understanding, and I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Pray at the understanding, and pray in the Spirit. What are some of the benefits of praying in tongues? One, you edify yourself. You build yourself up. We talked about, the Bible talks about the days are evil. Things are falling apart. We've been hearing and we will probably continue to hear how things are going to get worse. I mean, just the natural things that we've experienced over the summer, over this last year, with the economy, with the weather, with disasters and that kind of thing. Things are getting worse. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? So what is it that pleases God? Faith. People who walk in faith, his people walking in faith. Beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. If you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. You build yourself up. Build up your faith. You need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Sing a melody in your heart. Being thankful always for all things to God the Father. In other words, he's encouraging us, exhorting us, and then he gives us the means by which we can do what he says to do. 
And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to make this clear to you because I don't know if I'm, I am. But the point is, please do not let doctrines of man hold you back from what God has for you. Please do not. We can argue over this. Well, this scripture right here and this. And that, we can do all that or say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want from me? You know, last week it was so awesome. I wish he, he's not here. The brother's not here. But he came up to me during the wonderful time we had last week. And I was standing up here. And then we said, you know, Todd said, come on. And this guy came up. And there was another brother. And it's like he ran to get in front of him. He wanted prayer. I said, what do you need God to do for you? What do you want? And he said, it's been suggested to me that I ask you to pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love this guy. Very intellectual, you know, very smart guy. I'm thinking, okay, um, so you want to be filled with the Spirit? You mean you want your prayer language? No, but I'm open. That's what he said. Like, okay. Um, and here's what I'm thinking. Okay, this guy, he's a thinker. I've given him books. I've shared books with him. The kind of books that I don't like because they're the real intellectual type stuff that I just happen to have on my bookshelf. I don't know how they got there. But, I mean, good stuff, good ap- apologetic stuff. Um, I said, here, here's a book you might enjoy. He devoured it. That was good. You got any more? I mean, that thinker. I mean, just wonderful, brilliant mind. So he comes up here, and he wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues. He's open to it. Because someone put him up to it, I guess. And so I'm wrestling up here. Okay, how do I do this? Something. Okay, he didn't have any teaching on it. So I think I need to teach him first so he can understand and that he can get this. And I'm going through this in my mind. And later he told me, he said, yeah, I saw your, your face, your expression. I tell you, the wheels were turning. So I'm like, Lord, what do I do? So then I decided to ask. It's a good question, a good thing to do. You don't know what to do, ask. I said, Lord, do I... Pray now or later. Because I'm thinking, okay, after we talk about this, he'll have better understanding than he can receive easier. That was my thinking. God said, do it now. But he didn't understand anything. That was my thinking. So anyway, put all that aside. Begin to pray for him. Just encourage him with a few things. Prayed for him. He begins to speak in other tongues. Now, typically, the intellect can get in the way. And you can say, well, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. And then you, because you don't understand then you don't receive or you have a hard time receiving. And that's what I thought I was going to be dealing with. But I didn't. It's like a sign to me. God's the one that does it anyway. Right? And this guy, he was just telling me all about this. And I met with him. And he's like, dude, this is cool. I mean, he's just having an awesome experience. Praying in his his prayer language. Now, if anybody would have had a hard time, I would have thought it would have been him. It reminded me how much God wants to empower us with his spirit, with his gifts, so we can do what he's called us to do. Because see, when things get really bad and really scary and really crazy, who's going to be around to tell people that there's hope? Who's going to be around to to encourage people and pray for them? God will provide your needs, even though there's no food on the shelves in Walmart. But God will supply your needs. Who's going to be around standing in faith, encouraging people with the good news? Who's that going to be? Is it going to be a Christian who's full of the news and watching the news all the time and full of fear and, oh, no, what are we going to do and that kind of stuff? Is it going to be that kind of Christian? Probably not. Because we're going to be running to and screaming and hollering as well. But a person who disciplines himself and encourages himself to get in God's presence on a regular basis and seeks, Lord, and, and prays in tongues and builds himself up, strengthening himself, building his faith. And then when all hell breaks loose, we can stand in faith and say, no. Say, there is hope. And I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, is one of those gifts that unlocks the door to other cool stuff. So it's like, this is the basics, this is the bottom line thing, to get us into other things. And God wants us to engage in it more. I prayed in tongues these last two weeks, than I probably have my whole life. Every time I go to reach to turn on... The radio, to listen to sports and stuff, which I enjoy, every time I reach the turnover, he says, pray in tongues. So I don't, I pray in tongues. Just pray in tongues, 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 pray in tongues. Reach for the radio, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. As I'm driving down the street, pray in tongues. 
I was driving with Benjamin and Julia. I'm praying in tongues. Julia, Daddy, what are you doing? Or no, why are you praying? What did she say? Something about Jesus. She knew what I was, had something to do with Jesus. I said, yeah, I'm talking to Jesus right now. I'm getting in the habit and it's becoming more natural. Sometimes it scares me because I'll be praying in tongues and not paying attention who's around me. It's like, whoa, sorry about that. You know, you're walking through the grocery store and you're praying in tongues and hopefully with the color of my skin, they'll think I'm from Africa or Jamaica or something. (laughs) So I think I can get away with it. Now, you guys might not be able to. Your brothers and sisters have a lighter persuasion. But anyway. So I believe the heart of the Lord is he wants his children to receive the gifts that he made available to us. Amen. Would you agree with that? Now, whether I can explain it or not explain it, that's not the issue. It's in the word. And even if okay, now we got past the point that is for today. Okay. But even if we're not so clear on if it's for everybody. Let's assume it's for all of us because we're not everybody. So we can all in here still scripturally be 100 percent accurate in saying it's for all of us because we're not everybody. If we don't believe it's for everybody. Are you with me? Okay, can we at least agree with that? All right. I'm going to ask the, the ministry team to come up. And Lisa and Greg and, and Mel. Is Todd in here? Yeah, Todd. Would you come up too? And the ministry team that uh, Emeralds talked to earlier. Now I do have some information on the back on the table out there. It may answer some questions. It's uh, you should speak in tongues and how do you receive and all those kinds of things. It has some things about this topic. <coughs> Probably explains it a little better. But the hope and desire is that if you if if you don't have this gift, but you want it, I want to encourage you that it is for you. It is for you. Actually, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. Uh, if you can play a worship CD, then I want you guys to be. I need you up here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't clear on that. And so what I'd like to do is invite those of you who would like to receive. Now, one thing I want to explain real quick is that when you speak in tongues, when, when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, but doesn't speak in the tongues, he doesn't take over your vocal cords and he doesn't take over your tongue. He doesn't start flapping it for you. He gives you the words. It says the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, he gives you the words, but you in faith have to use your vocal cords, use your tongue to begin to speak.